Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris. And recently, we were named the number one podcast in Jacksonville, Florida in the Apple category of education and self-improvement. Thank you guys so much. That's a huge, huge thing that you guys have done for us with all the reviews and all of the five-star ratings over there. Super appreciative of that. So let's jump right into it here. We're going to talk about Black Friday. Today is Cyber Monday. It's about at the four o'clock hour. So Cyber Monday is kind of clicking into its uh, fourth gear here. You may head into the fifth gear later on in the evening, but we're starting to get a lot of data roll in and we can kind of talk a little bit about about that data now, and the projections seem a little bit more firm than they did um, earlier in the day. But if you've ever shopped on Black Friday, you know what we're talking about. It's the deal of the year. It's where most people, most consumers will do their Christmas shopping because they're looking for a way to manage and stretch that budget, probably more now than ever before with all of the many things the consumer are fighting. The day-to-day costs to live have gone up. You've got gas, you've got fuel, you've got energy, you've got food, you've got grocery stores. I mean, the list goes on and on. Everybody is fighting inflation at some capacity. And so this is a big day for the consumer. And one of the things that we're going to be looking at is the good and the bad from the spend rate on this. The good being is how many deals are being made and at what price is being spent on these in the form of total all spend. Because this is where a lot of retailers will will really make their Q4 is, is in Black Friday and the week of Black Friday and Cyber Monday included. And it'll also kind of let us know based on the data and the spend of what the consumer sentiment is going into the fourth quarter, first quarter. Because if customers aren't buying a lot, that shows there's fear in the market. If they are spending money, then that shows that they're a little bit more comfortable, even with inflation and even with some of the day-to-day living prices going up, that there's comfortability there. So, On that front, there is good news. Um, And what that good news is, is that Adobe Analytics is able to provide data from Thursday and from Wednesday's spend rate as well. Because what we're finding is Thanksgiving, you're sitting around with family all day long. You've had as many conversations as you can have. Your stuff, you're full with turkey and stuffing. And all of a sudden, you pull that phone out and you start doing a little online shopping, right? And that's exactly what happened. So on Thursday, we had $5.6 billion of spend being done on just Thursday alone because a lot of a lot of companies pre-release the Black Friday sales, right? So if if and I talked on the last episode how my inbox just got inundated with um items and and emails from places I've never even heard of, much less bought anything from. And so I spent most of the day unsubscribing, but there's these campaign blitzes that go out starting on Tuesday through Wednesday through Thursday, and then Friday you get the point. So people had that opportunity on Thanksgiving. They're like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna check it out. Take a look at my phone here. Oh, great savings. I'm going to buy that. That impulse buy, that e-commerce buy, and in some cases, that social commerce buy. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show because that's got some really interesting statistics that are starting to pop up here. Um, but let's take let's look at some of the takeaways from Black Friday here. So we had that on Thanksgiving Day. Black Friday went to $9.8 billion just e-commerce alone, $9.8 billion on Black Friday. Um, that doesn't include the storefront and foot traffic. And what I mean by that is that the foot traffic was up 2.1% in your general retail. That means you walked into a brick and mortar. That that was up 2.1%. But the big winner on the day is e-commerce. And I think the customer and the consumer are winning here because it's the ability to price navigate and stretch your wallet to find the best purchase for you and your family and your friends that you're buying for for the holiday season or just in general you're able to compare and find those deals at one website to another website and uh, it really does allow you the ability to leverage your wallet another thing that is coming out of this report from Adobe Analytics and this is the this is what I would call the bad of the report this is the report that you don't like seeing and I'll kind of explain why here but according to Adobe survey, 79 million of the sales. So you got to remember what we had, what was it about 9.8, let us say 9.8 billion on Black Friday. So 79 million. 
roughly less than roughly less than you know ten percent um, of the sales came from consumers who opted to buy now pay later. Now buy now pay later it allows for a flexible payment uh, and you can stretch your wallet out. But what that really means is this: is that you're taking the per the the payment of the item and the website that you're buying from has an agreement with Karma and if it's at Apple they have their own through J.P. Morgan Chase and and whoever or Goldman Sachs whoever they're going through they're allowing you to stretch that out over a four payment cycle a six payment cycle. You you don't have to pay it all right now. Um, and, and you kind of pay it on down and, and until it gets paid off. Um, I would say that it's a, a buy now, pay later is a, a flexible term for layaway. That's essentially what that is. Um, but, it, and there's nothing wrong with that if, if you're, if you, if you can afford those payments, right? Um, but it does put an additional financial burden on the person that has to carry that cost and pay it off. Um, that's the part we don't like seeing on there. Because essentially when you do buy now, pay later, what you're saying is I don't have the money to buy now, so I'm going to buy it now and I'm going to pay it later, right? And so um, statistically speaking, that's probably the position that you don't want to be in on those particular uh, buys because you're, you're stretching it. You're stretching your, your your you're stretching your family budget or your household budget to get that done. So that's the bad of the report because you don't want to see that. We actually want to see that come down, not go up 47 percent, such as it was from last year. So um, another thing that we're talking about on here is that Cyber Monday today is already forecasting a 12 billion dollar. $12 billion. So we had 9.8 on Black Friday, $12 billion on Cyber Monday. It is going to be a very large, very large win for the retailers on the, when these reports are finalized between Monday, Friday, and Thursday. Big, big win for them. And I think that when we take a look at this, it's going to be a big win for the consumer. My only concern is this, and we continue to talk about this, how much of this is being debt financed? How much of it's being put on credit card? How much of it's being put on credit cards to get paid off monthly? How many of it's been put on credit cards that get delayed or not being paid off? You know, we've shown statistics over and over again. And I know that this this is a this is going to happen regardless. But yeah, I continue to say one of those you know uh, brewing hurricanes brewing out there is in the consumer credit market. And this holiday season, I do fear that it's going to continue to push that debt up higher than what we've ever seen before. And I I, I think this is another sign. It's another warning sign um, in that consumer cycle market. Now Black Friday didn't cause that. Cyber Monday didn't cause that. This is years of spending causing that. And uh, I think this is going to add to another potential uptake. And you know, another thing we saw Black Friday look different from the past years is let's take a look at Amazon, right? They've always had prime, prime deals, and they always do a Black Friday special. This was the first year that Amazon, in regards to their new prime NFL football Thursday night contract, they had a Black Friday game on. And why is that important? Well, I think it was like the, the Dolphins versus the Jets. The reason that was important is almost every single commercial was an ad with a QR code for you to take your phone up, put it up against the you know, TV there, scan that QR code, and they had deal after deal after deal after deal. Just a bevy of QR codes that came on the screen. Um, first time we'd ever seen that on a Black Friday here. And uh, it'll be interesting to see the data that comes in from the deals on that as people were watching football and also buying and purchasing items during that time. The other thing we started to think about on here was that when you think about Black Friday, the competitive landscape has really sh really shifted um, from from prior Black Friday deals, you know, because that that early release of the Black Friday deal. So if you recall, I think it was like three years ago, right, maybe four years, right before COVID, there were a couple of retailers that really jumped the gun on Black Friday and saw significant results because they did that. They put those pre-release out early and they saw significant uptake and they saw a great return on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So as years went on, every, you know, as that competitive advantage starts to dissipate, every retailer started to do that. And it also became a advantage for the customer, a disadvantage for the retailer because 
it allowed the customer to start shopping on, let's say, a Tuesday evening when some of those releases come out. Well, they don't have to buy till really Friday, right? So they can price compare those next two or three days to find the exact item they want at the best rate they did. And I believe it was uh, Macy's CEO that came out and said that was one of the competitive disadvantages of Black Friday that they haven't seen before, where the consumer would put something in the e-cart on a Tuesday, hold it and wait until Friday to make the purchase uh, because they're shopping around trying to find the best deal. And that's kind of what that data suggests. So we're going to talk about some things to watch for on the, uh, the social commerce front, because this is interesting here right when we get back from this commercial. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. So if you've ever bought anything on social media, whether it's just an item of, you know, I don't know, whether it's a clothing apparel, you know, some sort of new fad, whatever it may be, that's called social commerce. That means you bought that directly through a social media platform that was either advertised by an influencer or directly from the actual, you know, manufacturer itself. But this is not an abnormal thing. Matter of fact, it's a major growing trend that you know, McKinsey and company is showing that the trend is only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, there are other countries that lead the pack in this. This seems to be a very popular trend, but here in America, it's starting to become a growing trend. Matter of fact, by 2025, it's expected that $80 billion worth of sales on products alone will be done through a social commerce platform. And so, Let's talk a little bit about what that is. So you go onto any platform and maybe there's a social media influencer on there, if you may, or someone talking about, hey, listen, click this for a discount code or hey, today only if you go to this place and buy it on this product drop, boom, you get a discount code or maybe it's buy one, get one. Who the hell knows what it is? But it's it's something of that manner. Or there's this, you know, the, the, the previous method where you would see a retailer advertise and the shop now button would be right underneath it and you go ahead and buy it. And then essentially it's, if you do that, it's going to take you to the browser inside of your mobile device, but you're still inside the social media platform buying this product where they can track the information about your purchasing basically habits. And then if you were to go to a brick and mortar place where a, you know, basically some sort of influencer suggested you go, the product would be there. You give them the discount code, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. And all of that is once again, trackable. Now, inside of this case study that McKinsey and company did, what was important is that they were able to suggest that a two-hour live shopping event, so that's a two-hour live shopping event on TikTok, specifically on TikTok, is worth the same, if not more, buying power for the retailer than a week's worth of sales at a flagship store. Think about that. So you've got a two-hour event on TikTok, a live power, a live buying event on TikTok generates more income for that particular product or that particular you know uh, producer of that product than going to a flagship store for one week purchasing power or particular, excuse me, income generating during that time. So let's, let me repeat that one more time because I kind of messed up there a little bit. So more income is generated in a two-hour TikTok live event than would be in a one-week all sales, all everything coming into a flagship store. When I think about that, that blows my mind. I think that shows the power of what's going on in the particular younger generation purchasing. 
Let's let's break it down a little bit further. So what they're saying again by 2025 that 80 billion dollars of sales will be done on this platform of sales commerce now of social commerce. Now the reason that's important is it makes up about five percent of the total all e-commerce, and that's just all online buying. And inside of this same study, specifically suggests that 61 percent of online adults are younger than 25 years old buying on this platform. Now, that's big because we know that generation makes up a good bulk of uh, of the American society, and I think that that number is only going to grow. And it also suggests that of those 25 years old or younger, they've already bought on this social commerce, and they're going to continue to buy on that, and that it's very easy for them to do that. And that's actually up from 53% the year prior to. So it's continuing to grow. You know, the data suggests it'll probably be 80% by the end of next year. And so that could also be, if you're a parent like myself, that could be our kids that are under the age of 18 making that same buying power on there because maybe they've got an Apple Pay set up. Maybe they've got mom and dad's credit card on there. Heck, who knows? Maybe they got their own debit card, but they're also making those purchases on side, uh, excuse me, inside of that social campaign. And I guess for me, the only warning, only slash, you know, signal that I worry about on there is the data itself. Uh, you know, a credit card sitting inside of a platform like that because, you know, when I kind of did a little bit of research on this before we talked about it, it asks you, do you, in some of those places, do you want to save this as a default card? Um, obviously, the answer would be no. But again, if you're under the age of 18, you're like, convenience sake, oh, yeah, I don't want to put that number, type it back in there again, save. And then you've got that data out there that could eventually be, you know, I would suggest is not as secure than if you just went to a normal browser and you put your credit card in there and you checked out and didn't store that data. So that would be my only concern with that. And we'll continue to, uh, to to follow some of this McKinsey and Company's surveys and also the results and the security aspects of that as well then. But again, let's get back to Black Friday. Uh, big win for the consumer. Uh, looks like all the sales numbers were up. Uh, there were a lot of deals to be had and it looks like a lot of shopping was done, which is uh, again, in today's world where you're trying to actually stretch your budget as far as you can. That was a big win for the consumer and for the online retailers. The only thing that came out of that that we were a little eh about was the buy now, pay later type thing that's up 47% from the last year. So till the next time on What's Your One More, guys, if you would check us out on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it along with a comment and also follow us on our socials at What's Your One More. Till the next time, we'll see you at the next episode. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it. And when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah